in heaven we are grateful for this opportunity and we thank you for bringing us together 
to have this amazing conference. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to um, share with you on what I call stage eight. Stage eight. All right. Now, eight is a number which signifies a new beginning. Yes. In the Bible, circumcision was done on day number eight. That signified the beginning of a new life. And then also, eight souls were saved in Noah's ark to begin a new life, a new phase of life on this earth. Amen. So stage eight is a very important stage. Amen. Now, when it comes to the subject of loyalty and disloyalty, we have a stage called stage eight. And stage eight is a a stage where a new life begins for rebellious people. Yes. Now, there are many reasons to be loyal or faithful. All right? And one of the reasons is in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1 where it tells us that um, it is required in stewards that a man be faithful. Verse 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. There are many, many, many reasons why you would want to be a faithful person. And when I talk about loyalty, I'm talking about Faithfulness, faithfulness, being constant, being dependable, being someone whom God can rely on, being someone who, um, you know, you'll be the same. Faithful means, loyal means the same. The same in a good way. Not the same in a bad way, like you are bad and you are the same. You don't change. But the same in a good way. That we could depend on you last year and we can depend on you this year. If we had faithful people in our churches, all our churches couldn't contain us. Because our churches would be so full of people. There will be nowhere 
to keep anybody. Because if, if any church at all has got the same people who were in the church five years ago are still around, that church will be very, very, very large. So most of our churches are filled with people who have been unfaithful somewhere else and have come around. Yes. They, they, they were unfaithful somewhere else uh, and they now are acting faithful in a new place. So, do you understand? But actually they are unfaithful from somewhere. You know, and faithfulness is a very important word because faithfulness is something that God requires. So there are many, many reasons why you need to be uh, loyal and faithful. Some people don't want us to use the word loyalty because they, they want to make it out that if you use the word loyalty, you are talking about a cult. But we are now going to use it even more. I want to use the word more. Because it's one of the anti-satanic words. You see, the Bible tells us to be faithful unto death. I wrote a book called Be Faithful Unto Death. I'll be releasing it. I'll be releasing it soon. Faithful unto death. So faithfulness uh, and loyalty, there are there are many, many reasons why that is important. And another reason is to cast out scoffers and mockers from the church. In Proverbs 22 verse 10, the Bible says, cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Now, contention ends. We don't need strife in a church. We don't need quarrels. Who is a better preacher? Who is more anointed? Who is good? Who is bad? Who has sinned? Who hasn't sinned? And all that. We don't need it in the church. What we need in the church is peace. Do you see? And love. All right? So I don't need you to accuse me or to say bad things about anyone so that we start quarreling. And the Bible says, cast out the scorner and contention and strife shall go out. So loyalty is important to understand so that we can consistently and frequently and as long as we need to cast out scorners from our midst. Amen. Amen. John 13 verse 35 a third reason why we need loyalty is important is because the love of God must fill the church. John, John 13, 35. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples. 
if you have love one to another. So there must be love in the church. And love is an important topic. Love is God. God is love. I love you. You love me. And we stay together in love. Love forgives. Love forgives. If you want to ever summarize love, just remember the word forgive. The person you love is the person you forgive. When a husband and a wife stay together for a long time, it's not because they are excited about each other, but because they are forgiving each other. Yes. So they love. They love. That means they forgive. They overlook. They just say play on. Over and over and over and over again. You know, because of face saving and also, yeah, face saving, most older couples don't say all these things. They don't like saying those aspects. They just say, oh, this is my sweetheart. Wow, we've been in love since we were in school and then we got married and we are living happily ever after and so on. <laughs> we are celebrating our 40th. We've been married for 53 years. Uh, wow! <laughs> they, they don't, they don't they, because of saving face, they don't say that they're forgiving anybody about and forgive about what? No, she's perfect. I don't forgive her. She doesn't forgive me. We we are excited. We are in love. You see, but it's not like that in real life. You get it? Yes. So um love must fill the church. And when you are in a church, you have to when a, a pastor is in a church, you have to forgive their members. Then the members have to forgive each other. And then the members also have to forgive the pastor. I mean, that's love. I love you, you love me. Because a pastor is a leader. It's also the first time that he's a pastor. Yes, that's the first time that he's having the opportunity to be a pastor. So he's also going to make some mistakes and do some things that are wrong. And just as when your crisis came, he was there for you and he forgave you, understood you, didn't condemn you, didn't write you off, didn't cancel your name. When his crisis also comes and he has also made a mistake or he makes mistakes, your duty is also to forgive. That's love. Yes. So what sort of, what sort of mistakes... What sort of mistakes can a pastor make? Many mistakes. Every possible mistake that can be made can be made. That a leader can make. Every time we have elections, we highlight the mistakes of each side. You didn't do this. You you didn't do this. You should have done this. Why did you do this? So many things. So leaders or the people in charge always making mistakes. If you look at the opposition, they are always highlighting mistakes or 
presumed mistakes of whoever is in charge. So I'm just trying to say that anybody in charge can make mistakes. Uh-huh. That is why they're always having elections so that your, your mistakes are now too many. You have had eight years of mistakes. We, we want to change and bring a new person to also make some mistakes. We are tired of your, mis- your mistakes. There, We are tired of it. We are changing the mistake maker to bring a new mistake maker. So, love fills a church when the pastor forgives the members and then the members forgive also the pastor and all the pastors and the leaders for all the, whatever mistakes they make. And then the members forgive one another. So loyalty is love. Do you understand? Because that's, loyalty makes you faith stay. You stay together. You stay together. And that's what we, we need. The Bible says a faithful man who can find such a person. It cannot be that for years and years that I will be a pastor there are things that I will do that are not mistakes. It cannot be possible because I'm not an angel and nobody is an archangel here. We are human beings attempting for the first time in our lives to be pastors. It's our first chance. It's our first time. It's our first time. Yes. It's our first time. Yes. So faithfulness is, loyalty is actually a love message. Yes, it's, it's a love message that has, has a name, let's say loyalty. We could have called it faithfulness. We could have called it love. We could have called it constantness. There are so many names we could have given it. Yes. So, yes. Together forever. We could have called it together forever. The next reason why we can have loyalty, loyalty can be important, is to have a large team. A large team. You know, without, a, without loyalty, your team will be as big as your biological family. You see, everybody knows that your family will be faithful, that is, your relatives. Even when you are in prison, they will visit you. How to get people who are not biologically related to you to become as though they are family members? That is loyalty. You get what I'm saying? And that was Jesus' specialty. He said, who are my brothers and my sisters? These people have become my brothers and my sisters. They are brothers to me. They are sisters to me. It's not just saying brother this and sister this. They are like my real family. He compared them even when they were called your mother. Your mother is outside. Your mother is outside. He said, who is my mother? This one is my mother. These ones are my brothers and my sisters. So most pastors don't know how 
to create a family that are like uh, like your biological family like in reality you see in my experience in the ministry I've related with people as though they are my biological family yes spiritually they are like my family my biological family that's what people don't understand. Like, Why do you like this man? Who is he? What is it? What that is? Is it what is it? a cult? It's a family. It's not a cult. It's a family. You are you 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 cannot achieve it. You see, you you cannot achieve that. That's why you are insulting it. <laughs> oh yes, you you don't know how to achieve it. You don't know how to achieve it. That is why to you, it looks strange to you, but. Where you have a church where the people who work there are like employees. It's a different experience. Where they are like family members. It's also a different experience. But some people beyond their, their own biological family. They don't know how to relate with another person. And make the person like a, fa- a family member. Yes. You know one day I one time I had a pastor. He was mostly concerned about his biological family. Every time he would speak about his auntie, his auntie, his uncle, his cousin. Every day it was his cousin, his auntie, his uncle, his brother, his this, his this. At the point I told him, listen, church worker is not about cousins. Cousins, uncles. Sometimes you have some cousins who are there one or two sometimes a brother sometimes a child sometimes a mother sometimes but the church is bigger far bigger than your biology they are just up to a few that's why people don't have large ministries i'm talking about loyalty one of the reasons for it is to have a large family a large team I remember one time I went to Australia. I was visiting our church there. And when I left and I was at the airport and I was going out, you know, when you are going through to the last place where when you turn, you won't see them again. So just before I went, I looked back. And there was this man, a grown man, very big grown man he was crying like a baby because i was going yes he was crying he was standing at the airport and crying i just looked just before i went behind this i just looked back and there he was crying because it's it's a family there's there's something that is, is part of a family yes That's the point I'm trying to make. Most people do not know how to do the ministry with people who are not related to you biologically and they become even more than uh, uh, relatives. That is why Jesus told John when he was on the cross that look after my mother for me. He didn't transfer his mother to even his biological brother. He had biological brothers. Wow. Yes, he had biological brothers and whatever. 
But he said John, who was not his relative, should look after his mother. And from that day, the mother went to stay with John. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, 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 the relationship that is created by God is greater than even a biological relationship. Biological relationships are great. You know, I have four sisters. And even though they are my biological sisters, it was when they became Christians that I started to relate with them. And the more Christian they are, the more I relate with them. Yes. The less Christian, the less I relate. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So my children that were born to me, I, I waited for them to know God. Even before, it was when they knew God that the, the, the relationship even changed. It was their knowing God that brought those who even know God closer. Yes. Yes. The blood of Jesus is far more thicker than you know. It, 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 it joins us far more. You are not even who you think you are. You see, you, you think you are from your family. No, I'm, I'm, I, and you'll be surprised who you are. Some of you, your father is not even your father. You don't even know. Oh, yes. And also, some of you, you are mixed up completely. Your blood is from different family sources. You don't even know how you became who you are. One day I looked at one of the people that was working with me. I said to her, you are Portuguese. I said, you are Portuguese. Because the way I look at her, I said, ah, where are you from? Based on your color and how you are. You are Portuguese. I don't know where she's from, but I I feel that she's from somewhere else. Many people in Accra or in Cape Coast, they are Portuguese. Yes. And the names they have, Vanderpoy, Van Dis, Van Dyke. What are the names? Plenty that we are used to in Ghana, Mills, several names in Ghana. They are, you can see they are mixture of different, so some of you, you think I am from here, but actually you are also from here, from here, from here, and from there, all. So why are you so concerned about where you are from? One day there was a sister. The first issue is that she didn't notice that her color was a little lighter than her sister's. That was the first point. She didn't didn't notice it. Because, you know, we have some variations in colors. Hey, 
and she thought she was a fanti. That is what she knew. I'm a fanti. But when she grew up, and one day her mother told her, I'm not your mother. Yes, her mother told her, I'm not your mother. She said, what? She said, yes. Your mother is not me. Your mother is in the Volta region. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She found her as a grown-up. Now, you see, there are some people who say negative things about awareness or about this or about that. She found out that what? She was one. She, that is where her blood is. So I am just trying to say, don't be so concerned about, I'm from here, I'm from there, uh, this is my cousin, this is my brother. In ministry, if you want to have a large ministry, it has to go beyond biological, whatever. You need other greater, far greater family. Loyalty and faithfulness creates a family that is more than a family. Take it from me. Take it from me. You know, that's why the Bible says that a neighbor is even more important than a brother who is far away. Yes. (laughs) Because many times your actual brother is not in town. And it's your neighbor. And your neighbor is the person you are often with. So loyalty message and faithfulness message is actually a message that creates a larger and larger and larger family. That is why, you know, as I'm here, I have a family in the north of Ghana. I have a family. Yes. The family. Yes. Yes. I have a family that I love and that also loves me right here in the north. In Nalerigu. Yes. When I was in um, Bunkurugu, I saw my family members there. When I was in Nakpanduri, I saw my family members there. When I was in Tripoli, I saw my family members there. When I was in Saboba, I saw my family members there. As I've come to Nalerigu, I'm also seeing my members here. (laughs) So, I want to encourage everybody. Learn how to engage people and create a family through the act of love and creating of a family and forgiving you know you have to be forgiving otherwise you can't stay for long but by all means something will be said something will be done that offends you get what I'm saying yeah
And it's so important that you grow and grow beyond your biological family. When we started churches outside Ghana, I kept on saying to them, don't speak any Ghanaian language in church. It's an international church. So that we can have family members who are not Ghanaian. Otherwise, the church will be too Ghanaian. We need a family that are more than that's why people don't have international ministry. Instead of criticizing someone, ask yourself what does somebody do to have members that are from other countries and and families that are from other countries. Yeah. I can show you our church in uh, Nicaragua. It's actually just like this. It's full, and they have now built canopies outside. Do you think it's Ghanaians? There's no Ghanaian in, in Nicaragua. There's no Ghanaian. If I can show you the pictures, you see. But these are my family members. And it's like, it's not about your country. Try to learn that some people have been able to develop, to have families outside the country. That's why people's churches are small and their ministry is limited. There are many little things that work together. Because when you speak your language and I don't understand, I will feel that I'm not near you, I'm not close to you. I, don't, I, don't, I feel far from you. Yes. If you come to even my church in uh, Accra right now, so many countries, so many countries, so many countries. So many. They, and they feel comfortable because it's that's 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 part of it. We are we are we are we are interested other nationalities. Yes. So let God give you a large ministry. Amen. Let God give you a large ministry. Amen. Yes. Let God give you a large ministry. God wants to give you more than you are doing here. Amen. Amen. So to have a mega church, amen, is also important. To have a large ministry, to have a long-lasting ministry, a long-lasting ministry, a ministry that will last for long, you need people that are also staying with you for a long time. Evangelist uh, Dr. Ogo, who is with me on the stage, I, offic- I officiated his wedding, like when he was going to marry. When he was going to marry, I, 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 I counseled him and officiated his wedding. Yes, it's not a last week issue. His, his daughter, and by the grace of God, I'm going to officiate his daughter's wedding next week. Yes. Yes. It's a long, it's a long thing. It's not last week that we, 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 we met. Neither is he or employment. I don't even know what he's paid. I don't have any idea whether he's paid or what he's paid. I don't know those things. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. So... Every mistake we are making, forgive your leader. If you don't forgive your leaders, you can't even stay in Ghana. When you look out, you say, ah, 
65 years. <laughs> 65 years. <laughs> you say, no, 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 no. I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. Oh, yes. One time, one of my pastors had his birthday. And people were celebrating. And afterwards, he came to see me. And he was crying. And he said, thank you for forgiving me when my crisis came. You are the only one who forgave me. People said, sack him, sack him. I said, no, don't sack him. No, no, sack him. That's how come I'm here. Oh, yes. Love is forgiveness. And forgiveness will give you people for a long time. Yes. Yes. And it is a good reason for learning about loyalty. And these books... They all are towards that very important topic. All of them. They are loyalty books. Yes. Amen. The Holy Spirit was impressing on me. I should teach more on loyalty and write more books about loyalty. Very important. And also for your reward. You see? And Jesus said in Luke 22, verse 28, he says, you are they which have continued with me in my temptations. You are those who continued with me. You are they who continued. Yes, even when the crisis came, other issues came up. You are the ones who continued. I know that some people didn't continue, but you are the ones who continued. Yes. That is constant faithfulness. So that's why your church members are few, because they did not continue. Yes, they did not continue. They did not continue. They did not continue. 1978, then they stopped. 1993, then some stopped. When this issue came up, another, another church came by, then they didn't continue. Another man of God came to town, they didn't continue. Some, somebody read a book, then they didn't continue. Somebody said something bad about you, then they didn't continue. But Jesus said, you are the ones who continued. You are the ones who continue in my temptations. So, make sure, all of you young ones, you see, make sure you continue. And that is why people celebrate birthdays. People celebrate birthdays because so many things could have killed them. But they didn't die. And they continued. They continued. 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60. They continued. That's why people celebrate birthdays. Because there are so many killers in the system. So many killers. Eliminators. And and equally you should be celebrating how long you have lasted in a church. 
Yes. That you have been able to stay and you have been able to continue in the ministry. It's just, it is something you should celebrate. Yeah, because you realize that so many crises came at this time, at this time, at this time, at this time, at this time. But you continued. And they said, you are the ones who continued. Amen? So make sure. That's, that's what makes you a great person. Yes. You've been, you've come. This Russia, Russian invasion of Ukraine. You see? As they've gone to fight, they have killed about 15 senior commanders. 16 or 15 or 16 senior commanders of the Russians. Seven, at least seven generals have been killed. You see, it's not a small thing to be a general or a colonel because you have to go and fight. So later on when you see people there as a general, I survived this war, I was in this war, I was in this war, and you are still around. You are a survivor. You've, you've been able to go through different battles. And many people are eliminated in the next round. So anytime our church has been through a crisis, I'm waiting to see those who will be removed. Those who cannot make it and those who will make it. Because I know some people will be taken out. Yeah, you, by all means, you lose some warriors. You lose some fighters. And you are just watching to see who are those who will be taken and who are those who will be left? Then you say that you are the ones who continued. Yes. Remember, Jesus had all those people, and all of them left him. It was left with the 12 disciples. And he said, Jesus asked them, Are you also leaving? You feel free to leave. Feel free. Feel free. Feel free. If you want to go, you can go. It's okay. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I'm okay. And they said, We have nowhere to go. I said, Okay. It's up to you. If you feel you have nowhere to go, you can stay. But I'm okay if you want to leave. Everything that my father has not planted will not stay. Yeah. Feel free. And I say to you, feel free. If it's not good for you, you don't want to be in the church, you are not happy with what is going on, feel free. Feel free. Exit. That's all. All that we will say is that you are, you are those who continue. That's all. And I can look back over the years and see those who have continued. And I can tell you that many who did not continue, they regret not continuing. They regret, you know, and that is why I appreciate the prodigal son. Because the prodigal son there, he, he looked at the situation and said, you know what, eh? I think that it was better for me on the other side. I want to be humble and I want to just go back. And uh, I, I want to stop fooling myself. Yes, I want to stop fooling myself. All right. Now, all these are reasons why you can be, uh, it's good for loyalty. But the real reason that I want to share with you is stage eight. Yes, that's, that's all. Now, what is stage one? Stage one is the independent spirit. Do you see? When a person has an independent spirit, it's his part of you, but he's always separate, a little separate, a little different. And it, it, it's as if he's mature. 
You know, independent people give an air of maturity that, oh, I know, I know how things are done. I know him. He will say this. I know them. Oh, I know them. They are going to say this. They are going to say that. They will say I'm this. They will say I'm an orangu. They will say this. It's like they are mature. (laughs) So that is, watch out for independent spirits. But that is not what I'm talking about today. The second stage of disloyalty is offense, where people are offended. In the Bible, in Matthew 24, verse 10, it says, Then shall many be offended. Many people will be offended, and many will betray one another. So offending and betraying go together. Rarely do you find someone who is an orangu who has not been hurt. By something. That's all. It just has been hurt. You can rarely find somebody who is, leaves the church, becomes an orang, who has not been hurt by something. That's why I told you, love is forgiveness. And love is loyalty and faithfulness. If you can't forgive, including the leader, you have to forgive the leader when he doesn't do things or he does things. Both of them. One day you will be the leader. And you see how people will be angry with you every day. Remember when NDC was the government? Hey, they criticized them. Hey, today this. Tomorrow this. Today this. I don't want to say so I can easily say them or I can mention so many things here, but you know. Ah, they said many, many, many things about uh, NPP said many things about NDC. But when NPP have also come into power now, there are so many things. So that's what I'm saying that you may criticize me that I haven't done this or I did this or I haven't done this. When you become the leader of your choir or you become the leader of your your shepherding group or the leader of whatever, then you will now see that yes, all the things you were saying, they are now saying it about you. Yes. Oh, yes. So, it is important for everybody to realize that you cannot just get up and start criticizing because you are offended. Learn to overcome your hurts. No, one day I was going to become friends with somebody. And then the, somebody told me that this man is easily offended. And when he is offended, he doesn't easily forgive I became afraid of the person immediately because I wanted to become friends with the person. When he told me this man, and when he's offended, he doesn't really, he doesn't forget about it. Wow! How many are afraid of such a person? Yeah! <laughs> yeah! I mean, what? You are a pastor, you are in the church. So if you get hurt, you will not easily leave the issue. 
and he, things pain you. Pa, things pain you. Whether greeting, they don't greet you, they greet you, they don't do this, they, they, they don't wait, they forget about you, they choose others, they leave this one. It's like you are the type that gets hurt. Pa, and when something affects you, it, you don't leave it and you want people. This person, he has done this, this, and this person, he's like this. This person, I remember one in 19, whatever, this, he did this and that. Hey! Is that how you are? Offense is a very dangerous stage. You have to watch yourself, eh? That's why some of that's why some of you can't. You, your marriage is there's no peace. There's always you you, you you see marriage is something that you have to know how to do. play on play on. It's as if I, you can't. A good referee doesn't blow his whistle at every foul. Some of the fouls you just I mean you just be moving on and say like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you do your hand like this, and you will go. You don't blow your whistle at every foul. The game cannot continue. Every two minutes there will be a foul. Every two minutes there's a foul. Every two minutes there's a foul. And some of you, you have your whistle in your mouth. You are ready to (laughs) Many shall be offended And then they betray And betray means that somebody who trusted you And somebody who would have trust in you, you You turn against the person May you never be one of those Then the third stage is passivity. Passivity. Where people become cool. You used to be active, but you are no more cool. All these are in the book, Loyalty and Disloyalty. Watch out for quiet people. There is, let me tell you something. There is nothing like a quiet person. There's nothing like a quiet person. The person who is quiet towards you is talking a lot somewhere else. You know, I used to preach and talk about people who are quiet, but now I have changed my mind. I am now saying that there is nothing like a quiet person. You see the person as if he doesn't speak much, is a man of few words, a woman of few words, doesn't say much, doesn't call, doesn't text, doesn't do what. Oh, the person is calling somebody else. The person is on the phone all the time. The person is texting all the time. The person is holding the phone all the time. It is you that they are quiet towards. And you have to watch out when somebody is quiet towards you. It's a sign of disloyalty. Offended people are quiet. There are some marriages, it's only by quietness you know that the person is offended. The person doesn't say anything, the person just changes, become quiet. Some, some, some people, if they are offended, they can be quiet. Even texting quietness. Quietness of texting, quietness of calling. Oh yes. 
they can become quiet. Another, they can start singing. It's another point. Because the singing is replacing talking. <laughs> Instead of talking, they sing. Sing hymns or sing other songs. <laughs> oh, yes. Tell your neighbor there is nothing like a quiet person. No. Don't deceive yourself at all. You know, one day I decided to do a test. No, it wasn't a test, but it was, I was doing something like a, not an experiment, but I wanted to prove something. So I saw some two sisters. Uh, they were having a, a lunch. So I went to sit in front of them. The, the table is here, and I also sat. Here, here is the person, and here am I, the two of them. And I also sat on it. Like I'm also coming to eat. That's where I'm sitting. The first one was good, good morning. I said, good morning or good afternoon, whatever. Good afternoon, good morning. Good afternoon, good morning. Good morning, good afternoon. I said, good morning. And I was looking at them. The whole lunch, not a word. They were just looking at me. Meanwhile, these people, they can be on the phone from no, the relative will tell you she can be on the phone to the other person from 9am to about 4 on the phone, talking talk, talk, talk I mean, well, when you talk what does the topic by all means, any topic within 30 minutes, the topic will be finished but you are on the phone from 9 to 4 it means you can talk generally and freely and happily but when I was there, they were just looking at me like <laughs> <laughs> There is nothing like a quiet person in this world. I'm telling you, there's nothing like a quiet person in this world. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's nothing like a quiet person. Watch out for quiet people. They are dangerous people. They have a lot of things in their head, but they are not saying it. Because of you, they are not saying it, but it's in their head. So the person says, good morning. <laughs> Only good morning? When you saw another person, you started, oh, yeah, yeah, Charlie, oh, there's a one, oh, Charlie, yeah, what are going to do? There's nothing like a quiet person. Yeah. That's why passivity and quietness is something to watch out for. Yes. And that is why you have to be able to read the signs of unfaithfulness and wickedness developing in people's heads. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But that's not what I'm really talking about this morning. I'm talking about stage eight. Stage four, critical stage. Criticizing. Criticizing. Now, one of the reasons for criticism, the Bible says, 
Miriam and Aaron, Numbers chapter 12 and verse 1, speak against Moses. Now, one of the reasons for criticizing, which is a stage of disloyalty, all right, it is stage four. I'm, I'm talking about stage eight today. Stage four is incomplete information. Incomplete information. Having just a part of the information is the reason why people criticize a lot of things. They don't know the full picture. They know parts. They know something. They know a story. They know a sentence. But many other things they don't know. So if, for instance, you want to criticize the government for the way Ghana is. So, ah, these people have been here for three years, four years, five years, and whatever. That's true, but it's part. The other part is that some others were here for 60 years. We have had the right to manage or mismanage our affairs for the last 60 years. And every government has contributed to where we are. Yes. And also, democracy is a slow way. It's safer, but it's slower. Do you see? To bring improvement. What I'm trying to say is that all the things you are saying and about to say are true, but it's incomplete. The information you have is not complete. Yes. And through the years, you see that you have people who have incomplete information. They just have one little part. Of it. Ah! The other day, I saw somebody wrote something about me, said something about me. He said, you are more than evil, Bishop Heward Wills. You are more than evil. <laughs> Later on, he came to apologize. He said, oh, I just knew a part of that. I didn't know that. I said, okay. It's amazing. You don't know much. And you, you, you say that somebody's more than evil. I just know, you'll just hear one thing. You know, the Bible says that he that pleaded his cause first sounded just. It's in the Bible. He that pleads his cause first. The first person to talk to you always seems to be the right person. And rebels and wicked people, they are actively going around with tails. Bible says a tail bearer uh, separated very friends. So they go around to, to be, they always want to be the first to talk. Because when you speak first, the person establishes himself in that belief. Then it takes time for the person to now unwind and reverse when he gets to even know the full information. Then it's sort of like you are now take time to reorient that, oh, is this the reality? And it takes humility for somebody who has taken a decision and criticized you. It takes a lot of humility for the person to backtrack and reverse the things that the person has said. Do you see? <laughs> One day I had a pastor, a friend, and uh, he said to me privately, he said, I wish I can take back all the things I've said about you. Yes. 
I wish I could take back. These are his words to me, not to somebody. He said, I wish I could take back all the things I've said about you. Yes. So that is why you must be hesitant to criticize. You should be hesitant to When somebody, if let's say you hear, oh, this pastor is divorced. Just shut your mouth and start praying for your marriage. Start praying for your marriage because there are different types of marriages. Different, different types. There is a type of marriage that you may not stay in that marriage for more than one year and you know that you will die. You know, I remember I remember one time a brother came to see a pastor and the pastor said to him, this marriage will kill you. He said, you, you will die if you don't take care. He just warned him, he said, be careful. And he died. He died like that. He died, he died, he was just sitting there and he died. Oh yes. I'm talking about somebody who had the medical care and everything. He just, he just woke up in the morning and died. Oh yes. By the time the ambulance came and they tried everything, he was, he was gone. And he had been told about a year before that this marriage will kill you based on the things you are saying and describing. Oh yeah. The pastor just said it. Well, not that you should divorce, but I'm telling you what's going to happen if you don't take care. Yeah. So, you may see somebody who may realize that this thing, I'll die in it, and he, he, he feels that he's going out. You don't know the full picture. So, that is why you shouldn't criticize at all. Don't criticize anybody about anything. Just, just, just learn to be, be quiet and, and be praying. You see, and what you are experiencing is, is one experience. There are different types of experiences. Yes, there are different types of experiences that exist in the world. And yours is one. There are other wilder different things. It's like seeing somebody with cancer of somewhere and the person is dying. They say, ah, pull yourself together. It's a, just, why are you dying? Why, why, why would you die from this? Don't you have faith? Don't you have faith? Pull yourself together. Look, these are the seven principles to overcoming cancer. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven. Why should you die at this age? And you, tell, you share with the person, look, last time I was sick, I had uh, whatever, I took uh, vitamin C, this, this, that, and I'm okay. I don't, I don't understand you. I don't understand why you are feeling so down. Pull yourself together. Uh, is it not a sickness? By his stripes we are healed. Wow. Be careful, eh? Be careful as you are talking. Oh, yes. One time I was with a pastor and he told me many of my members are dead. And many of them died from cancer. Yes. And I said to him, hey, I haven't seen that in my church. He said, oh, it's because of your age. It's because of your age. You are young. He told me, it's because you are young. And your congregation is young. Today as I speak, I can count on my finger number of people with cancer. Oh yes. I can count on my finger. This, 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 this. All of them have cancer. Yeah. So as you want to criticize someone, what is wrong with you? Wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up. You are feeling sick. Every day you are sick. Every day you are sick. Pull yourself together. 
You see, that's how people talk about marriages. Some marriages are like cancer marriages. And you'll be seeing the person say, come on, these are the seven steps to love. Number one, write love notes. Number two, go for walks. Number three, uh, cook sometimes in the house. Number four, hold their hand. Number five, breakfast in bed. Number six. Go for dinner. Meanwhile, there's no restaurant in your town. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is, do not criticize at all if the person is a pastor. The Bible says, touch not the anointed of the Lord. Just leave it. So, you are doing this, you are doing this. Beautiful. Learn to shut up when it comes to God's servant. Learn to shut up when it comes to Christians. Learn to shut up when you see somebody in trouble. Job's friends. One time I heard Derek Prince, you know, he preached about Job for a long time. He said that God said that Job's friends did not speak right. They did not say the right thing. Because they criticized Job when he had his crisis. They did not do what is right. They criticized Job when he had his crisis. He said, pray for them. I will kill them if you, if you don't pray for them. Pray for them. They did not say what is right. So learn to shut up. And anybody who makes you talk in the wrong way, disconnect from the person. Yeah, because not everybody believes what I'm saying. Some people feel that they have a right to talk and say whatever. One time I heard somebody say that he's, he has been anointed to correct the church. Hmm. Stage five, political stage. Oh, yes. Now, politics is those who love to talk to people, to form a group. You see, politics always has, you need a party. You need what? A party, a political party. So, (laughs) when somebody is political, they try to get someone or some more people to be on their side. You see, this person is also saying it. This person is saying it, and this person is saying it, and even this person has also done this. Yes. Political state, that was Absalom. Bible says Absalom went round to speak to different people, and he won the hearts of Israel. Watch out. Listen. I want to give you a sign. Anytime you see someone talking to different people to try to get them to join, it's Absalom. Anytime you see someone trying to go around, that is what Absalom did. Trying to go around to talk to this person, to call this person, to call this person, to talk to this person. You'll be surprised who the people have called. You know, one time we had a situation in the church and you have these people calling different people. Anybody they sense may be sympathetic. So you two, have they done this to you? So you two, have you experienced this? So you, they'll call you. They'll call you. They'll call you. And that is it. 
trying to get people to gather against the Lord's anointed. I remember one time we were building in Mampong and there was a man who went around. You know, if you come to Mampong, you'll see the whole campus. He went around speaking to the neighbors and people in the area to try to turn them, to make them all turn against us. Oh, yes. So watch out for Absaloms in your church. Yeah. And may you never be an, ah. May you never be an Absalom. Ah, 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 ah. Pray that you die before that time. Yeah. A person who attacks his own father. Thinking that the more people you get to attack him, the more right it is. It will never be right. To take your father who brought you up in this world and put him outside and whip him. Huh? Whip your father outside in front of whatever. As you said, the old man, and you are whipping him. A son. A son. I mean, someone who, 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 who they paid your fees. You take an alley. And your own father is standing there because you are now more muscular and stronger. And you whip him. Eh? Why you do that? And you whip him in public. It can never be right. I don't know what formula you want to bring, but it can never be right. It can never be. You can go up and down, up and down, up and down. It will never be right. A person who caused you to exist and caused, appointed you, ordained you, consecrated you. Your work is to humiliate the person, embarrass the person, and say, do something to hurt the person outside for everybody to see. For a thousand years, it will never be right. It's a curse. Straight away. Nobody needs to curse. You don't need to circulate any video about me cursing anybody. You are cursed already. You are cursed because you violated the principles of the word of God. You are cursed because the Bible says, honor your father and mother. For it comes with the blessing. The Bible says, the man who mocked his father, the eagles will pluck out his eyes. So watch out for politic, political people. I've seen a number of them. And whenever I see them, I say, hey, these people can really behave like Lucifer. Eh? Stage six is deception. Deception. You can't do much evil unless there is deception. You can't do what? Much evil unless there is deception. It's not possible to do much evil without being deceived. Amen. Second John verse seven. I want you to note verse seven very well. And and remember verse seven. Second John verse seven. Not first John. Second John. Verse seven. Beautiful. 
many deceivers are entered into the world. Yes, many deceivers are entered into the world. Huh? Who confess not that Jesus Christ is Lord? There are many deceivers. They go around saying something that is not true. Do you see? Things that are not true. Now notice the conclusion. The conclusion of this is that what? This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Christ is anointing, anti-anointing. This is a deceiver and an anti-anointing. It's against the anointing. This is a deceiver and an anti-anointing person. It's against the anointing. Yes. Many deceivers are entered into the world. Are you, are you awake? Are you awake? Go to the back. Go to the back. Go to the back. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Amen. Many deceivers are entered into the world. This is a deceiver and an anti-anointing. Yes. They go together. You can't be against the anointing unless you are deceived. Yes. Yes. You are deceived. I mean, you'll be deceived about whatever. Yeah. You say somebody has committed a sin. And so what? It's, it's a deception. You are deceived. You are deceived. Because you know parts. You don't know all. You are deceived. Deceivers are plenty. And they are against the anointing. Amen. So, stage seven is what? Open rebellion. And stage eight is execution. All right? Now, this is just a little thing that I want you to see. You see, anyone, execution means the way a person is punished and judged because of rebellion. And there are many reasons to be loyal, but one of the reasons to be loyal is because you fear stage eight. Yes. You fear what? Stage eight. Yes. You say, this is what is going to happen to you. It's just a matter of time. And you must believe it. Yeah. Because you fear what is going to happen to you. Now, let's go through what happens to, let's say, Lucifer. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, stage 8 for Lucifer. Tomorrow we'll continue, I believe, with stage 8. Now, Matthew 12. 
Let us look at the state of those that rebelled. Verse 43. Devils are rebels against God. They have fought against God's authority. What is their condition today? That's stage eight. And this is the, the standard for every single rebellious person because it is following the works of Satan. Yes. Look at it. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, do you see? He walks through dry places. So, stage eight is number one, full of dry places. Walking through dry places. Oh, yes. Whether a devil or a human being. Yes. Whether a devil or a human being. Because both are, both are rebellious. Since Adam and Eve rebelled against God. We have been walking in dry places. Have we not been walking in dry places? Everywhere is dry. It's difficult. We should, let me tell you. I want to tell anyone who is into farming. That farming should have released harvest every month. What you are having now, once a year, is because of the curse. In the book of Revelations, the tree was bringing fruit every month. That's how this world was. Every month there was a harvest. Huge harvest. You get huge. I mean, there was abundance for every small effort. Today, we will wait a dry season, dry season, dry season, dry season. No food, no this, no that, no that for a long time. Then some small harvest will come. You get some few yams when you sell all 10,000 yams. Uh, Daniel, how much you get for 10,000 yams? About how much? Yeah, just tell me the size, uh, the one you have. The one I have. Yes. 2,000, I, I planted 2,000 yamses and I had 500 out of the 2,000 that could be sold. Okay. So when I sold it, I had about 2,000 cities. 2,000 yams that he planted, that's his farm. You get what I'm saying? He planted 2,000 for the whole year eh? and he got 500 out of the 2,000 that were sellable. And when he sold, he got 2,000. So 2,000 yam plantation. He's a pastor who also decided to do farming. <laughs> and his, his increase was 2,000 cities for his yam plantation. Oh, yes. That's the sign of the curse. Dry places. Yes. Yes. Everywhere is dry. He walketh through dry places. So rebellious pastors, breakaway pastors, divisive pastors, accusers of fathers, Absaloms, they are going to walk through dry places. And that is the end of all such people. I am saying it. And the Bible is also describing the life of a devil or an unclean spirit, which are 
fallen angels and rebellious powers, spiritual powers against God. This is their condition. This is their condition. He walked through dry places. Seeking rest, number two. He's trying to rest. I want to rest here. I want to rest here. I want to relax here. I want to rest here. There is no more rest anymore. Stage eight. Stage eight, I told you, is a new beginning. And the new beginning for a rebel, I am prophesying to you that the day you become a rebellious person, a a, a fighter of your biological father or your spiritual father or any father that God has given you, or the day you become a traitor or treacherous, I prophesy to you this condition will be your condition because it is the condition of all rebellious people. And clean spirit, he goes out walking through dry places. Oh yes, dry ministry, dry churches, dry preaching, dryness of everything. Oh yes, and then you see them seeking rest. One rebellious pastor, he spoke against me so much, you know, he was even a relative. And my, uh, one day, somebody told me that this guy, the things that he has said against you. So I said, oh, what did he say about me? What does he say? He said, oh, I cannot repeat it. I cannot repeat it. I cannot repeat it. And I watched as he, he started a church and the church grew initially and he was so confident that now he has um, arrived until that's why I say that you have to believe the word of God that's why I'm not talking much I'm just telling you what is going to happen the whole thing turned into dry places and all the members scattered oh yes oh yes now he began to seek for rest. He said now his father is a, a pastor in America. And he's going to see the pastor as his father. To ordain him. This is one of the characteristics. They always go, somebody will come and ordain them as an apostle. Or ordain them as a bishop. Or ordain them as some big name. Seeking rest and findeth none. Yes. You'll find none. And when he went to see that person, after some time, that person also died. And you see the person today walking through dry places, don't have a church, doesn't go to church. Somebody who was a pastor, they stand on Sunday morning, the whole church is full, and you are preaching. Today, he's standing in dry places, no church, no, no nothing. I mean, even trying to prevent others from going to the church. To going to church. You don't go to church and you are trying to prevent other people from going to church. A serious soul. Seeking rest and finding none. This is the end of uh, rebellious people. All of them. It's just a matter of time. That's what I mean by execution. Yes. Stage eight. Then 
He saith, I, it's a new beginning. It's a new life. <laughs> I will return to my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goeth out and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in. And the state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be to this generation. Now Jesus was just describing how demons work. And he said this generation will be like that. A rebellious person now goes around. This is stage eight. This is his judgment. He goes around gathering more wicked people. He goes around gathering more wicked people. More even wicked than himself. And forms a team. A team of seven wicked spirits. Plus himself. More wicked. That is it. He goes around. And takes with himself. Seven other more wicked spirits. And that is the character. That's what I say. Political state. They go and gather. Chale. There is a, there's opportunity here. There's opportunity. They go recruiting. It's, it is the political behavior of demons and of Satan. To try to recruit people and organize people and talk to people and get us a challenge. Let's go and do this thing. And they go and they do even worse. Oh, yes. Yes. It's a new life. They were never like that before. It's a new beginning. From from circumcision, they ate. Noah's um, ark eight new people in a new world. They started a new life. Stage eight is a new beginning for people. This is all that they have. Walking in dry places, dryness of ministry, dryness of anointing, dryness of finances. That's why many of them are beggars. Have you seen me begging before? Have you seen me begging? Can any member in this church... Tell me that I have come to you to ask you for money or beg you for money or even induce you to give me an offering. From where? From where? Since when? Over 35 years we've been in the same church. Can you say that I stand? One of them will say, I stand on the car park and I will get thousands of cities. He stands there knowing that people will come and give him money. Begging, going to important members, talking to people to give you money because they are in dry places seeking rest. And they go and get seven more wicked people. I hope you will not be one of the wicked people who will be recruited by an unclean spirit who has been dispossessed and who has no resting place. That you'll be one of the recruited evil spirits who will be even more wicked and more evil. And that's why sometimes you can't even tell who is, who is the worst. <laughs> oh, yes. Stand up, everybody. Stand up, everybody. Stage eight. 
Ask your neighbor, neighbor. Can it be that you ever fall into stage eight of this thing? Now, Ezekiel chapter 28. As you are still standing. You know, the weather is very hot, so we need to keep ourselves going. Thou was perfect in thy ways. Many pastors are perfect. They are good. But watch out when a lot of people praise you. eh? Try to, you know, Years ago, when I finished preaching, I used to enjoy when people say, Charlie, the, the message was, I mean, powerful message. You know, the reason I, I enjoyed it, or I, I, I even needed it at a point, was because I was criticized so much that my preaching was not good. I was criticized so much. So it was Bishop Saki who used to tell me that the preaching was powerful. But at first I thought he was lying. I said, this man is a liar because I know that my preaching is not good. Because people have been telling me that my preaching is not good. How can it be that only you think that my preaching is good? Oh, yes. So I needed it at a point to heal my wounds. The wound of being accused so much that I was not a good preacher. But at a point, you don't have to need it. If I'm not, it's a long time since somebody told me that my preaching is good. <laughs> it's a long time since I heard something like that. Hey, Charlie, I was blessed. I mean, people are blessed. I know that, but I don't, I, I, you, you have to be careful because you, before you realize it affects you. Things you hear, they affect you. Sometimes an ugly girl can be told you are beautiful. And before you realize it has affected her. Yes. She feels that she's beautiful. And that she's sexy and she's attractive and she's, people are looking for her and all that. Meanwhile, it's not true. Somebody told you that so that he could help remove your clothes. Many deceivers are entered into the world. Bring that scripture. Many deceivers are entered into the world. Second John verse 7. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Aha. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Anti-holiness. Deceivers are anti-holiness. Verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they are filled thee with violence. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Okay, now look at stage eight. Thy heart was lifted up. Now, notice verse seven it says, I will cast thee to the ground. I will cast thee to the where? The to the ground. You see, you are demoted by God. God says, I will. Not, not human promotion. 
Not human demotion. You see, genuinely speaking, no one can really promote you or demote you. It is actually God who elevates. It is God who can make you small or make you nothing. And God is saying that because of your behavior, Lucifer, how you've exalted yourself, I will cast you to the ground. You'll be at ground level, ground zero. And many people are at ground zero of their ministry, ground zero of their life, ground zero of their church, ground zero of their whole entire ministry because of stage eight being applied to them. After you go through and you become fully rebellious like Lucifer, that is all. You'll be cast to the ground. Even though you were bright, even though you were beautiful, even though you were lifted up, even though you were nice before, even though people praised you, I will cast you to the ground. And he says, I will lay thee before kings. Even outsiders will see that hole, you are down. One brother told me, he said, I want you to come to my church. I said, why? He said, because years ago I rebelled against you. And I left and I started a church. I took members and did whatever. But he has now repented. He has come to say sorry, 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 sorry. He said, I beg you, I need you to come to my church. I said, why? He said, even when I go, we go witnessing. People tell us, people, they said, are you not the one who broke away from Lighthouse? Are you not that breakaway, whatever? Oh, I said, when you are witnessing and inviting them to the church, are you not that breakaway from whatever? What bad thing has Baptist church done? That somebody should break away and spoil the church. What bad thing has Baptist church done? Look at the beautiful hospital they built here. And all the great work they have been here for years, since 1959. Yes and yes. You want to destroy the Baptist church? Huh? Do you know what is Baptist? Do you know what it means to be here in 1959? <laughs> huh? Even in 2022, but do you know what it's like to be here in 1959, in Nalerigu in 1959? Huh? Can you imagine 1959 here? A white man come to live here and build a church. What bad thing do you have to say? Don't you fear God? Don't you respect? Don't you have fear for fathers? Don't you have fear for people who have labored, who have done great and honorable things, and you rise up and attack such things? Ah! He said, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Everybody will see. That you are walking in dry places. Watch out. Those of us who feel we are rebellious and nothing will happen to us. Verse 18. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude, the many, many, many iniquities you've done. Because orangos and rebellious people, they have several sins. Several sins. It says, by the multitude of thy iniquities. By the multitudes of thy iniquities. A person who attacks his father and attacks 
the anointed. Number one, you touch the anointed. Bible says, touch not the anointed. You are tampering with something great. Number two, you are repaying good with evil. Number three, you are dishonoring fathers. Number four, you are memoring. And the Bible says, and the Lord heard it. And the Lord heard it. And the Lord heard it. Number five, you are walking in rebellion against authority. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, they despise governments. They they despise authorities. Many, many iniquities. And many of them are also immoral. By the multitude of thine iniquities. And by the iniquity of thy traffic. That word traffic is tail bearing and talking. Yes, that word. If you you can search through the Hebrew, you'll find eventually it leads you to tail bearing. And takes you to Leviticus. If you have time for Bible study. That word traffic. That word traffic. It will lead you to tail bearing. And it will lead you to the same word that is used for tail bearing. A tail bearer in Leviticus. People with stories and talking. And big, big words. Way of speaking about important things. They have a way. You see, you are convinced. He said, what? This is, this is stage eight. Oh. Therefore, God, God is saying, and this is what is going to happen. That's what I'm saying. That If you want, eh, if you want, do you see? If you want, try God. He says, I will bring forth a fire. From the midst of thee, not from outside, your own fire from within that will devour thee. That is why you notice that these people are self destructive, they destroy themselves, they spoil their own lives. Nobody spoils it, they they do things that destroy their own lives, and it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes on the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. That's the end of an orangu. All of them. Watch out assistant pastors. Watch out bishops. Watch out reverend ministers. Watch out people that have been put in authority. That have been elevated. That have been made bright and nice. You see Jesus said the glory that thou givest me I have given to them. One of the things a leader does is that. The glory and the beauty that God gives to his ministry. He imparts that beauty. And the others who are part of his ministry. Have and come to have part of the beauty. Part of the glory. Part of the niceness of their ministry. When you are part of Baptist. The glory that has been given to the Baptist church. Is also given to you. Jesus said the glory that, I have given, that you gave to me. I have given to them. The glory you gave, the nice, the nice thing, the niceness about me, the niceness about my ministry that you gave to me, I've also given it to them. That's why they are nice like I'm nice. That's what Jesus was saying. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying that the niceness you gave me about my life, look at it. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one as we are one. The niceness is what even unites us. Even in the UD, the red jackets that we wear as bishops, it unites us. The beauty also unites. The glory that thou hast given me, I have given them that they may be one. Beauty, the beauty of the anointing, the beauty of the churches, the beauty of what we have. God says, I have given you the glory that, that you gave Jesus. Jesus said, I have given you part of that beauty. You didn't have that beauty. You didn't have that beauty. You didn't have that beauty. True, true, true. Assemblies of God has a beauty. 
You can never take the name Assemblies of God and just rubbish it. You cannot, you cannot destroy that church. It's far greater than any of us. It was there hundreds of years before we came. You can't. The glory that has been given to Assemblies of God, is, it has been given to every Assemblies of God pastor who is working in Assemblies of God. The glory that thou gavest me, I have given it to them. I have given it to them. And God said, because you have elevated yourself and you have let a fire come from there, I will cast you to the ground. I will burn, I will make a fire come from your own way of talking, your own talking. One time I heard a man of God speaking and he said, he said, this man will hang himself. And he will hang himself with his words. He will be hung by, I heard him talking on the phone for about 30 minutes. He said, he will hang by his own words. And truly it happened. Truly it happened. He said, this, he was pointing, he said, this man is an Absalom to me. And he will hang by his words. And it happened. Their distractions are fantastic. If anything doesn't protect you from be, ever becoming an orangu, whether maybe you don't want to have a large ministry or you don't want to have a long-lasting ministry or you don't want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, at least stage eight should make you know that this stage eight things, when they, they start to manifest in my life, no, I don't want it. Yeah. Show me the rebel that have become successful. So watch yourselves very, very carefully because many times some of us are tempted to question and to wonder, say, ah, maybe I should also do this so that we correct that system and we deal with the guy and the guy thinks that he's right and we'll sort him out and we'll face him. Then we'll have a meeting. Then we'll say this. Then we'll change him. Then we'll check this and we'll do this. Oh, there's nothing you can do, nothing. I will bring thee to ashes in the earth. That's the end of rebellion. Oh, yes. Try it and see. Try it. Verse 19, stage 8. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished that thou shalt be a terror. And never shall thou be any more. It will never be anything anymore. I know one pastor, about seven great men of God warned him. He said, you can never be in the ministry if you do this. You can never be. Stop what you are doing. You can never have a ministry if you do this. You can never have a ministry by attacking Baptist mission. You can never have a ministry by attacking assemblies of God. You can never have a mission by attacking what an honorable man has done has come to serve God. How can it make you great? How, how, you know, one, one time some uh, pastor's conference was going on in a, a certain country. Then one young man was talking. He said, oh, these people who are talking, they are all expired fathers. They are what? Expired fathers. Hey! That is how you call pastors who are working for God and have been there for some time and are working. You call them expired fathers. Wonderful. Let us see what will happen to you. He said, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee 
and it shall consume thee, it shall devour thee. Yes. Revelations. Stage 8. And then we are done. Revelations. Are you there? Now, Revelations chapter 3. To the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true. I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. Now, there is a book here called Those Who Are Proud. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, the last one is here. Those Who Are Proud. I want you to listen to the words of pride, and I want you to listen to the end of it. He says, because thou sayest I am rich... Almost every Orangu and rebellious pastor says these three things. But he may not say it with his mouth. He'll say it in his heart. Number one, it says, because thou sayest, I am rich. Number two, I'm increased with goods. And number three, I have need of nothing. These three things are what every rebellious person says. Number one, I am rich. You see, what he says is, I have enough money. <laughs> then number two he says I'm increased with good that is the business and the works that he does do you see it's working uh-huh. so what he thinks is that his ministry is working I can preach I can organize I know how to organize people I can talk I can minister I can have conventions I can pray for the sick I can do I'm increased with goods I know ministry work I know how to it, how it increases with goods work yes I have signs and wonders I am, I am a man of God I, I am a preacher. I, I share the word. I'm increased with goods. And number two, I am, I am rich. Like financially, I don't need you. I can make it. I know. One guy said, I have a ministry of finances. So, wow. So, wow. 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 And then the third thing is, I have need of nothing, which means I don't need you. I don't need anything. I don't need the church. I don't need the church's name. I don't need a covering. I don't need a bishop over my head. I don't need a father. I have need of nothing. I don't, these are the three statements. I don't need you. It's inside a person who is rebellious. Always. I am rich. I can make it. I don't need your salary. I don't need nothing from you. I don't need your snake. I don't need Nero. I am rich. I'm increased with goods, which means that my work that I do, goods has to do with your work. 
and his work is the ministry. So my ministry, I, I, I can preach, I can teach, I can organize, I start a church. After I started this church, I started that church, then I was transferred here, then I started this one. So I am increased with goods. I know how to do. I was transferred here, then I went here, then I went here, then I went here. I know everything. Oh, put me in any town, I can generate a church. Put me in any town, I can generate a church. Anywhere I go, even prison, I can generate a church if you put me in prison. I am increased with goods. Stage eight. Stage eight is the next part. But this, then he says, I have need of nothing. I don't need you and you don't need me. I don't need you in my life. I don't need you. Oh yeah, I don't need you. One time I went to see a pastor trying to bring some peace with him. He said, I don't need you and you don't need me. I mean, these were his English words. I don't need you and you don't need me. It's not true. The Bible says that they without us are not made perfect. I don't need you from the where. But I have need of nothing. <laughs> I am my own man. I don't need anybody. God has also called me. I'm a bishop. I'm an apostle. I'm consecrated and anointed. Beautiful. I'm increasing. My ministry increases. When I stand, there are miracles. It grows. The church grows. One pastor said, you don't know what I had to tell the people. Since you left here, I've had to buy more chairs. He says, since you left, I've had to buy more chairs to fill up the place because people have been coming since I've been in charge. Chairs, I have to buy more chairs to fill the hall. And he said, and people are buying my tapes. The people started to call the tapes by his name. Yeah, so if his name was uh, um, Kwame, the tapes were called the Kwame tapes. Yes, the Kwame tapes. Yes. Yeah. Kwame Tito tapes. Kwame Tito tapes. People are buying my tapes. I've had to buy. And he said how many chairs he had to buy. Because the church was grown there. I am increased with goods. I have enough. I have money. I know how to generate money. I know how to generate money for the ministry. God has called me. I have need of nothing. I'm increased with goods. That's the spirit that created an enemy. Now, now notice immediately it's followed by five, five things. Five things are now going to be on such people. And this is the stage eight for those who are proud. But these are only the words of a proud person. It says, number one, you are wretched. Stage eight is a stage of wretchedness. He said, you don't know you are wretched. Wretchedness. Many pastors have become wretched pastors. Wretched. Wretched ministers. And then miserable. I think we need the meaning of these words. Miserable. And then poor. It's now that your poverty is coming. You said you are rich. Rather you are poor. And you are now going to experience poverty. Most of these people die in poverty. You know, one day I was driving to a church in another country. Then I came across something like a kiosk. A small kiosk. And the pastor who was driving me told me, this kiosk is a church. He is the assistant of 
the mega church where you have been invited to preach, the church had more than 10,000, 16,000 members. He said, this kiosk, which, which you used to sell black and white. Do you know black and white? Yeah. You sell black and white or any other whatever. He said, this is the church. This is the church. I said, are you serious? He said, this is the man. He's in this kiosk. I don't think even five people can fit there. That is, he was the assistant of this huge church where I have been invited to preach. And he rebelled. Because what do they say? They say, I am rich. I am increasing. As for ministry, I'm increasing goods. I don't need any, I don't need this man. I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need anybody. But immediately he became miserable, wretched, and poor. And the next one is more frightening, blind. They are actually totally blind. Blinded. Sometimes you even wonder that, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? But their eyes are on something imaginary. You are blind. You are totally blind. You are lost. And naked, which is exposed to demons and devils. That's why they become more possessed with different varieties of devils. Those who are proud, this is how they think and this is how they talk. You never see a person in stage eight without the pride. Yes, you have to have those thinking. I don't need anything. I don't need you. I don't need them. What is Lighthouse? What is Kodesh? What is Bishop Dad? What? Ah, Daggy Ward Mills. They, they would not even, they would not even mention, the way they, the way they even mention your name, Dad. Oh, he's whatever, this and that. It's only pride can make you talk. It's like, I don't need him. Who is he? What is this, this, whatever? This and that. And speaking. Speaking of words. Oh. You, I, I ask Bishop that they will call him Nick. Oh, Nick is whatever. This and that. Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah. In our culture, you know, in our culture, we don't do that. Yes, in our culture, we don't, I mean, in our culture, when you talk that way, it, it, it means you are very high. So stage eight is a very wonderful condition. But I can tell you, many people are in this condition. Wretched, miserable, poor. Because it's a poor man who begs. It's a poor man who is asking for money, please. Can you give me uh, my offering for my ministry? God, and they would say with some spiritual words, can support me. So, oh, you are a beggar. You are a beggar. You are a beggar. Say the truth. You are begging. Say the truth. You are going around begging and begging and begging and begging and begging. Oh, yes. So, I am, I am not frightening you, but I am informing you that for sure, as sure as the word of God is sure, this stage eight will be the next, the new life that you will have to start as a rebel. Yes, a rebellious and disloyal person. Those who pretend, huh? those who are devils, this one says, one of you is a devil. The devil, this is the devil's end. Those who accuse, your future is guaranteed. Those who pretend, 
your future is guaranteed in stage eight. Those who leave you, the prodigal son, he was a beggar, is guaranteed. The Bible says he began to feed with the swine. It's guaranteed. For when he left his father's house, he became a poor, let's look at this scripture, poor, miserable, wretched, blind, naked. He was naked, eating with pigs, desiring to be given the food of the pigs. A prodigal son, he was wretched. He was miserable. Because he said, when his father gave him, ah, deeply afflicted. When his father gave him his uh, uh, half of his goods. When his father gave him half of his goods. Eh? <laughs> half of the money of a rich man. What would be his word? I am rich. I am increased with goods. And I have need of nothing. I don't need you, my father. Bye-bye. I don't need my father. And I don't need my father's house. And that was it. Yes. Look at me closely. You will see that every relationship God gave me from the time I was in secondary school, I maintain all. I maintain all. I maintain my relationship, especially in Ghana, with Archbishop Duncan Williams. Even on this school, I've been speaking to him. Oh, yes. He prays for me. He said, he said, what you are doing, that's what we should all be doing. We are praying for you. There. Yes. Oh, yes. I maintain. I, I knew him in secondary school. I think I was in from five or from five or from four. Yeah. That's when I knew him. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can, I can also talk in a funny way. I said, but he's not much older than me. If we were all in school, we would have been in the same school at the same time. I can also talk that way. I can also say I, I don't need anything. I can also say I'm rich. I have need of none. I don't, I don't need him. I don't need anybody. It's very dangerous to talk like that. It's very dangerous to think like that. It's very dangerous to imagine such thoughts in your head. It's very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. That's what gives rise to miserable ministers. Miserable and wretched pastors. You never grow out of calling your mother mommy. When I see my mother, I call her mommy. When I see my mother, I call her mommy. I don't call her uh, whatever. Church member, hey, hello. Church. She, she's a church member of my church. I don't call her a hey, church member. Submit to uh, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and she doesn't call me bishop. Bishop from the where? Nonsense. Nonsense. The prodigal son could have said, "These are these are the words of the prodigal son. I'm rich." I'm okay, I'm okay now. I've got what I need. Those who forget. Because it is when you feel you are rich and you are increased with goods, that's when you should remember that, hey, how did I become increased with goods? How do I know what I know? I said, oh, I would have been a pastor anyway. I would have been a pastor anyway. <laughs> I, was, I was already called. God called me from my mother's womb. Those who are ignorant and those who are dangerous sons. It's only a dangerous son who can say, it's only a dangerous son who can say, uh-huh. it's only a dangerous son who can say, I'm, I'm increased with goods, I'm rich. I don't need you. 
I don't need anything. I'm okay. Remember, as you grow older, you will grow more to learn. The more your eyes become humble, you realize that I need more. Even though I have money, I'm not rich. Even though I'm increased with good, I have nothing. I, I can't do much. You can do much. Can you, can you be in this ministry? Can you be the head of all these things? It, I, I'll give you to be in charge for, I mean, three months. You see, everybody will start leaving. They will say, hey, Charlie, you know, we, we, we don't know what you are talking about. And we don't. You may read the same, but they say, hey, please, 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 please. You can't talk to me like that. You can't talk. You can't get up and say, you can't talk in that way. Charlie, every man to his own tent. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. So, I want to encourage everybody to fear stage eight. Stage eight things are too much. Too much. Too much. Too much. Too much. No. Too much. Too much. Look at it. Because thou sayest, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods, which means that my industries are working. My ministry aspects are working. They are they're really churning out souls and I, I have choirs and groups and members and I do outreaches. And I have need of nothing. It's not true. I need something. Oh yes. You know, recently my one of my fathers is in Malaysia. His wife told me, she said, I hear he prays for you. And he mentioned another person. He prays for. He said, he prays for you and he prays for Dr. Cho, he, he said, actually. He said, I, I heard him when he's praying, he'll mention your name and pray for you. I pray for dad from Malaysia because I called him father because of who he has been to me. He said, I heard, he said, you are his name. He calls your name and prays for you. Oh, when I heard it, I was so, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was affected. Yes. Yes. Those who are dangerous sons. You are a son, all right, but you are dangerous. You are dangerous when you can speak like that. I don't need you. I'm okay. I know what to do. No. That's what creates miserable, wretched, blindness, blindness. Darkness, lowness in the ministry. Lift your hands, everybody. Katashata babayada, mando di boske paradala, rabayanda la baba, rama kiti bosunde de bayanda. Kataba, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands and pray. Mandi Karasuni Mayandalaba Rama Masunda Kadima Maya Rabandi Mayandalaba Lord deliver me from stage eight deliver me from self destruction Lama Santa Lababa Kata Kababa Le Manda Mino Kati Baba Ramasuna Mandede Bekipa Lababa Keep me, keep me, Lord. Keep me from being wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. Deliver 
Rababa from being brought to the ground. Maziki Numos Kadalababa Ramazandalababa Mandalaba Remanuni Kiboria Boska Nandalaba Ramaka Badia Madia Kamon Dele Mason Deleba Ramamazandalababa Pray, pray. That God will deliver you from stage eight. Stage eight. Mandala Bazandala. Father, thank you. Yes. For your word yes. to us today. Yes. Thank you for guiding us yes. and blessing us. Now I want everybody to lift your hand and pray the Lord. As long as I live, yes. help me to be a faithful person. Jesus. Help me never to enter into this stream. Of wickedness and yes. the judgment of yes. stage eight. Yes. Never to speak yes. such words, even in my heart. Yes. Even deep in my heart. Yes. That I am okay. Yes. I need nothing. Yes. And I am rich. And I am I have need of nothing. Yes. Increase. Let with us you. be granted the grace. Yes. To be in the name of Jesus, humble, help me, Lord, for your holy presence. Help me, Lord. We give you praise. Help me, help me, Lord. We give you thanks. To be faithful, give you thanks. We give you glory. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Give you praise. Praise, Lord. We give you glory. Help me, Lord. We give you glory. La Ramado Shamin, Reda Bosta, Maria Dalababa, La Mama, Sandalaba, La Baba Dabasha, Indalaba, Zelebe, Broma, Mandele Bosa, Ramama, Maya, Dalaba, Katurumoso, Raka Sundelebe, Brema, Bremo, Scata, Landalabasa, Degaba, Lama, to be faithful, Lord, Mandababa. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now sit down. Thank you. In conclusion, I want to give you two points to protect you from this evil. Amen. Amen. And I want you to remember these two, two keys. How many will remember? Let me start with the lesser uh, points. No. Or, yeah, let me start with the lesser one. Turn with me to Second John. Verse 10. Verse 10 and 11. I'm just giving you two master keys that will keep you today and for the next 40 years from stage 8. Number one is in 2 John 10 and 11. If there come any eh? If there come any unto you, do you see? 
and bring not this doctrine. Do you see? Receive him not into your house. Oh, yes. Receive him not where? Into your house. Neither bid him God's speed. Don't even say, the Lord be with you. Or be blessed. Or, uh, Charlie, see you again. No, you don't have to see him again. If any come into you and bring not this doctrine, the doctrines that he is teaching, the word of God, the pure word of God, receive him not into your house. Don't even let the person be in your environment. Neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Yeah, the person who says congratulations, or the person who says well done, or the person who says I'll see you later, or the person who says okay, whatever, bye, next week, okay, chale, chale, you later, I'll call you. He is a partaker of his evil deeds, according to the Bible. I didn't write the Bible. If anyone, any man come unto you and bring not this doctrine. So you have to watch out for the doctrines, the teachings, and the ideas that people have. When people come and they are not correct people, bringing not this doctrine, you must not entertain people like that at all. So those who entertain, so, oh, he was my friend from school, so, you know, that is why we are just whatever. Oh, but we were in the same area, or we are on the same WhatsApp group, or we are in the same this and that. Or you have all sorts of reasons why you are entertaining him. The Bible says, receive him not into your house, and neither bid him Godspeed. Don't say anything to him. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. I want to tell you, until you learn absolute rejection of this type of nonsense, you will always expose yourself to wickedness. Who would keep a cobra in his house and say, no, they only bite when they are provoked. So that's why I have it in my house. Oh, I have this cobra in my house. I, I give him food. It, it, he sleeps most of the time. He does what? He sleeps most of the time. I give him a big piece of meat and he swallows it. And then he sleeps most of the time. That's why I have him in my house. It's not a problem. Don't be worried. You have kept such a cobra in your house and you are comfortable with it. So we are just on the same group. We are just friends. We are this and that. That's how people get contaminated. And that is why when people break away from churches, spoil churches, they get people to follow them. Because people have not learned the principle that, hey, Charlie, this comment that you made, I beg you, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Yes. Receive him not into your house. Neither bid him God's feet. For he that biddeth him God's feet is partaker of his evil deeds. Fight extremes with extremes. You must know that Satan's plan for you is to destroy. I've seen people 18 years they were stable in the church. Then at a point they go off. 
Because they, they, they are talking and toying with a cobra. You can't play with a snake and be surprised when it bites you. And the venom fills your body. And the venom enters your soul and your heart. Oh, yes. I don't have any friend who criticizes pastors. No, I don't have. One time, I had a friend. And he had a sarcastic way of speaking. One day he was talking, he said, Ah, this man, this and that and that. Very, very funny talking. And I went and I spoke to the person he was speaking about. And I told him, I said, This man says this. Hey! It became a baking. From that time, the person doesn't relate with me. And I, I like it. I don't want him to relate with me. I don't need him to relate with me. I don't want to relate with him. Do you know that I wouldn't be anointed today if I have criticized Benny Hinn? If I criticized Benny I wouldn't, I wouldn't be walking in that anointing. If I had criticized Bonke, I wouldn't have that anointing that I'm walking in. If I had criticized Derek Prince, I would not, I would not enjoy him. If I criticized Kenneth Hagin, I would not be enjoying all these people that I didn't criticize. It has saved my life. I didn't even make any comment or say bad things about them. I just like them. I never receive into my house somebody who speaks against these people. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here because the, what they are doing is what I'm doing. What they what they are is what I admire that has come upon me that I'm I'm doing what I'm doing. How do I speak against that? So watch out. Those of you who have made yourself associates, secret associates. When we finish having a meeting that you make calls, they are saying this, they are saying that this and that, they are saying that that. You are doomed. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. You will join them. And you must know that we don't need you to be part of us. We are waiting to see those who will be purged out to see the complete list. We are waiting for the complete list, the final list for those who are going out so that we will know those who are set. So stop wasting your time. We are just, we are waiting rather to know the complete list. Because in every purging, there is some list that is going out. So stop, stop wasting your time. If you are going, go. But don't stay and be receiving into your house, into your fellowship, into your phone, into your relationships, into your, your family. Them that come and bring not this doctrine. Receive him not into your house. And neither bid him. Don't say all the best. Are you there? So that's just one point. Tell your neighbor, who have you been receiving into your house? Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. So, have you asked your neighbor who and who has been coming to your house to fellowship with you. Who you have been waving goodbye to. Number two, turn to Luke 15. The prodigal son. Remember that the prodigal son 
when he came, he was what? He said, this my son was lost and is found. My son was dead. He is alive now. So, miserableness came over him. But the master key of this prodigal son, do you see, to come back alive was to repent. Now, repentance is humble yourself and say, I am sorry. Humble yourself and say what? I am sorry genuinely and turn around. I want us to practice saying sorry and turning around. Admit things. Yes. I will go to my father and I will say I have sinned. I will not say I am doing a Greek. I was doing a Greek. I will not say I traveled for a long time. I have missed you. That's why I've come around. I will not say I'm just coming to check on you. I will not say that, oh, I've, I've, I've missed home, so I was just passing by. But if you want me to stay, I'll stay. That's no sorry. Learn to say sorry for this thing. I was wrong and I'm reversing 100%. Are you listening? Oh, yes. Yes. I have sinned. I'm sorry about this particular thing. And I've, I've changed my mind. And I'm turning around. That can save your life. Most people, marriage deteriorates on only this point. Marriage gets spoiled only on this point. Because most marriages, if you were to say, you know, I was wrong. I'm so sorry about this. The marriage can change. But unfortunately, people don't want to admit things. Uh-huh. So it stays forever like that. And then gradually the marriage deteriorates until it is less than 10% of what it was at the beginning. Yes. Most relationships go to less 3 to 5% by the end of time. Oh yes. Yes. Just because to say sorry. This thing I'm wrong. You see people arguing when somebody says there's no salt in the rice. Or there's no sort of... It becomes an argument. I mean, you can't believe it. You can't even believe it. There'll be a reaction. Somebody says, I don't like this. There'll be a reaction. Stand to your feet.